how does one need to show up in order to create a context for people to be the best versions of themselves and do their best work? What are the practical skills and tools that boost one's practice of leadership in order to do that? These are the challenges that we as leadership practitioners approach every day as we observe and coach people in all kinds of roles, in all levels of organizations, and at organizations of various sizes. In this podcast, we'll share our experiences, the experiences of the people we support, and what we see as working. I'm Jonathan Rosenblatt. And I'm Marlene Jabrowski. Welcome to the Leadership Practitioner Podcast. Hey, JR. Hey, Marlene. So I was thinking about this expression that's been coming off an awful lot in a number of conversations that you and I have been having with learners, um, and that it's been coming up with coaches, and you tell me that it's been coming up with your coaches too. And that's this question of when we're leaders, do we use the carrot or do we use the stick? <laughs> you know, you know what I'm talking about here. Ah, yes. And the way that I mean, my reaction is, yikes, neither, <laughs> neither. Neither. Why are you talking about carrots and sticks? How did we get here that we're talking about the way that people use to move donkeys? <laughs> it's true. It's true. I mean, it's it's really a, a very traditional way of thinking about motivation, right? It's like either motivation from a from a positive, like true motivation, or motivation from from fear and from from threat and stuff like that. So that always boggled my mind as well because I don't know, like at least for me, I never I never was really one to respond to either one of those. And and for the longest time I thought it was just me. It's like, yeah, you can dangle whatever you want. Doesn't make a difference. And I never really understood why. I, I think back to like, well, I think back to my whole career path and, you know, writer, artist, academic, the purpose of what I was doing was not, it wouldn't have worked if the motivation was extrinsic, like either carrot or stick. Well, okay, that's not true. There were some papers that I probably would have never gotten in if I wasn't just a little bit afraid of my professors. But, <laughs> but you know, that does not a career make. And that overall trajectory of being intrinsically motivated is the only thing that would justify that amount of effort for really that little, I'm going to be kind of a bit blunt here around the academic world, that that amount of extrinsic payback, <laughs> right? I mean, it was obviously not for the carrot because there wasn't a lot of carrot in that world. And so let's actually also be clear here too, when we're talking about intrinsic and extrinsic, right? Motivations, what mm -hmm. we're talking about is intrinsic is like the type of motivation that is is internal. It's kind of the things that are that only you can be motivated by, that are things that that matter to you internally, that it doesn't matter anything that goes out on in the outside world. These are the things that kind of get you going, that get you get up in the morning and stuff like that. That's at least my definition. What do you, when you think about intrinsic, anything, anything different for you? Just give an example, like when sitting down and writing a piece of fiction, there was no, there was no one saying, hey, Marlene, you need to do this. There was no schedule of when it needed to happen. This is just something I chose to do when I did. Artists don't tend to make art for extrinsic reasons, for external reasons, because very few artists are actually ever paid enough to justify the amount of effort that goes into the work, right? Like my motivation came from and continues to come from wanting 
to, well, I mean, these days, my motivation is wanting to create conditions to allow people to show up as the best versions of themselves. Before I was able to roll that off my tongue with the, the way that it rolls off now, it was about wanting to make a difference in the world. It was about wanting to create a different way of thinking or, or to introduce a new idea or to have a group of people think about something in a new way. I mean, that's really what got me up in the morning. And so when I first hit the business world and, you know, landed my first senior manager job and there's folks there saying, okay, well, pick, pick a stick or pick a carrot or figure out how to wield both carrot and stick. Like I looked at them like they were completely insane because I'm like, why would you do that? How would that not just demotivate people? Because isn't their intrinsic motivation the strongest thing going? That whole trajectory to go from that moment through to the leadership practitioner and and being able to find language that can be talked about in business terms has been really that that path of of kind of holding my ground and saying, yeah, carrots and sticks are not if you really want to motivate people, carrots and sticks are not the way to do it. Yeah. And what's interesting is like when you say you motivate people. Right. What if we take it one step back and say, what about motivating yourself? Right. right? And, and really trying to understand, like, why, why do something? What is it that you can get out of something? Or what, it, what is that reason that would compel you to show up in a certain way? You know, you shared your story. Maybe I'll share a story as well. You know, from my sort of journey to discovering this was. You know, I always remember even as far back as schoolwork or university work, where I would just like spend an excessive amount of hours to really get it to something that I would be proud of. Something, you know, something where I can say, yes, this, this is the way that I want it. Funny enough, I didn't have the words at the time, but ultimately this is the way I wanted to show up in this case through my work. I remember, you know, fellow students around me would never really understand why I would put in the effort because it would, it, I mean, sadly, it never really justified itself in terms of marks, but that's a different story altogether. But I was still satisfied nonetheless. There was something about what I was doing, how I was approaching it. And again, to your point, Marlene, like you said, I didn't have the words at the time to, to even explain to myself what that process was. When I went looking for those words, that's where I really became familiar with this notion of intrinsic and extrinsic motivators and why the, this external stuff like of marks or whatever wasn't really doing it for me. It was just like it didn't, it didn't make a difference. Then when I went, got into the business world, that was almost even a harder transition because I would put in like excessive amount of hours getting things the way that I would be proud of. And I thought at the time it was a pride thing, right? It's like, I'm not going to put something out there that I'm not proud of. I had to, like, I, I really took a step back afterwards when I started my, my personal development journey. And think about it, it's like, okay, well, where does this pride come in? It's almost like this pride is a consequence of what? Right. And I didn't know what that what was until I came across this lovely notion of intention, right? Which is what ultimately we've talked about here on, on the podcast many times. Certainly, we talk about intention a lot when we talk about anything leadership practitioner related. So it was really coming down to almost like this third option carrot, stick, intention. To me, it felt like it was almost like a higher level of operating. Than something that seems so tactical or something so surface level as a carrot or a stick. 
So for our listeners, map intention back onto intrinsic. Ah, okay. So when we think about intention, we think about this sort of this this higher purpose for what why you might be doing something. Marlene, you said it before. I mean, I certainly align to that same intention of whatever it is that I do, however it is that I show up, I come in and show up to create a context where people can be the best versions of themselves and do their best work. Notice how that doesn't have, like, that's an aspirational statement. It's a something that's guided by your principles, your beliefs, the way you want to show up in the moment versus something that's more tactical or more goal-oriented or stuff like that. So how does that relate back to intrinsic versus extrinsic is that that intention, when done well, is something that comes from within. It's something that you have to ultimately land on as you go into any interaction, as you go into any environment landing it on it yourself and it's like, what is it that I want to do or I want to be? How do I want to be in this moment for myself and for others? It's all about the I. So that inherently makes it intrinsic. You're figuring out what is that internal motivator, again, that intrinsic motivation for you to decide that that's how you want to be, for you to decide that that's what you want to do in this scenario, in everything that you do, whether it's the words that you speak, or whether it's the body language you exude, or whether it's the attitude that you bring in, it all kind of comes down from what's motivating you to do that. That really resonates for me. And and I would add to that, that when that happens, when that's my stance, when I'm creating conditions conditions for myself to show up in that way, then the really cool part is that nobody can actually take that away from me. I can go into any situation, you know, back, let's go back to sort of, we talk about leadership practitionership as something that anyone can practice. I do not need a title to be motivated when I am showing up with that intrinsic motivation, you know, or intention to create conditions for other people to be the best versions of themselves. I can do that whether I've got a title or not. I can do that whether I'm working in a system that understands what I'm doing or doesn't understand what I'm doing, agrees and is longing for that, but has some hiccups or doesn't agree at all. And, you know, obviously there's a limit. There, there might be context where I won't want to show up because I, you know, I'm, I can't actually fulfill any of that intention mm-hmm. in that context, right? This is a con- continuum where there might be a moment where I'm like, okay, but there's a lot more possibility. It gets me out of that black and white world where everything that I need is here in order for me to exercise that intention. Oh, hey, nothing is here for me in order to exercise that intention. No, there's almost always at least an opportunity to explore and see what's possible. Then as I do that, because that's what's motivating me, even in the context of that system, if there are setbacks or pitfalls or difficulties, I'm not vulnerable to that system's cruelties, you know, or that system's failings or that system's, you know, p- pick your negative word there, you know, all the things the system isn't. I'm not vulnerable to that because I actually show up with enough intention to ground my own leadership practice in the context of that organization. What I love about that, Marlene, is, is how you're talking about this, the fact that 
there is nothing external to you that can control it. As you were thinking about the different words and you're like, insert whatever negative word here. (laughs) The word that was coming to my mind was control. When you show up with intention and you hold yourself to that intention, again, whether it's coming from intrinsic motivators or whatever it is, I don't know. I kind of think of intention as sort of a a level above intrinsic uh, motivations because it's almost like depending on what my intentions are for a particular instance in time, I find that sometimes it actually informs me what my intrinsic motivators are. What I love about operating in this mode where these external carrots or sticks don't really play a factor is that you maintain that choice at all time. And you're able to say, okay, well, hold on a second. There is nothing here that actually has enough power over me to change the way that I think or to change the way that I show up. And to me, that's such a powerful stance to be in because then you truly are the one who is holding the context, if nothing else, for yourself so that you can be the best version of yourself, Mm -hmm. then be able to spread that out to others. But at the very least, because you're the one that is in control of the intention, you're the one that is in control, therefore, of how you manifest that intention in the way that you show up then that enables you to stay in a stance that regardless of what's thrown at you, you're still able to be that leadership practitioner that you want to be. I particularly like that kind of upping the ante where you're saying, okay, there's intrinsic motivation and then intention is one level above. Yeah, that resonates for me. I can go there. Absolutely. And now when we take that and we loop it back to, okay, and then what does this mean? in terms of what and how we're able to show up for other people to create the conditions for them to show up as the best versions of themselves, I'm thinking the very first thing that it does is it makes it possible. Because if we didn't do that for ourselves first, then there would be no ground to stand on in order to model that for anybody else. How much we are able to do that for those around us, I mean, depends on lots of things. It depends on the people around us. It depends on how they are already showing up and where their interests in showing up are, right? Back to that whole work with the willing. Yeah. Depends on their intentions. Exactly. And and so, you know, could there be contexts where I might be operating where I might self-discover, oh, gee, you know, there there isn't actually anyone who wants to do this with me in this way. Sure, that could happen. But that's a very, very different feeling from, oh, you know, I failed as a leader in this context or this organized, you know, like, like there's all the stories we can tell ourselves that can be these very disempowering stories around how what we're doing isn't working or is working, but isn't working enough or is working enough, but not fast enough. Or, you know, you can, you can just go down that list in, infinitely. When I show up with that intention and I have clarity of that intention and I've created those conditions for myself, I'm far less vulnerable to those self-destabilizing narratives. I'm seeing you nod. Yeah, it just I'm I'm thinking about one instance where I was working for a particular leader where this notion of dangling an award in front of me, right? It's like if you do if you do all of this stuff, you're going to get this award. And of course, let's be honest, there was no guarantee that I would get the award. The thinking from this particular leader was that if you dangle something like that in front of me, someone who is seemingly on the outside motivated by acknowledgement and stuff like that, you just stick that in front and and then we should be good to go. 
interestingly enough, because my system was not in tune to such a carrot or such a stick, I was I w- I operated from a different perspective than that. It actually created the opposite conditions where I didn't show up as the best version of myself because I couldn't align to, or I didn't see, I didn't have a line of sight to how I would fulfill that carrot or what would happen if I didn't get that award, what would be the stick that would come down on me? And the self narratives that came out of that literally created, you know, the conditions for me to actually, it was a full system shutdown. It broke me. And it was actually right then and there that I realized, whoa, that is what happens when you operate from a system of intrinsic and extrinsic motivations, like when when it's at that level. And I'm like, no, it's not. I need to go up higher. I, there has to be something, a, a way of operating that doesn't put someone else in control here, that does not allow them to affect the way that I am, my being. And that's, that's again, I, I found intention to be that sort of operating system. Mm. I'm wondering if this is a similar example where I was in a team of people and the organization decided to basically set up a prize system. And we ended up kind of competing for prizes. First, it was really playful. And then the prizes actually got really fancy. And then only one or two people could win. And then the the breakdown I watched happen in that team, where the intent, the hope, the objective, the goal <laughs> of the organizers of it was to motivate. And what it actually ended up doing was creating conflict and dissent and bring up a lot of really negative emotions. A lot of people got very triggered. There was incredible feelings of unfairness because some people were positioned in the organization to win the prize more readily because of the nature of the role and other people weren't as likely to have opportunities to contribute in a way that would give them the points. And this escalated to the point where the organization went, okay, whoa, <laughs> this, didn't, this didn't play it at all how we imagined. When I look back at it now, the language I would use now would be that there wasn't enough curious exploration to understand how the people in that organization were motivated. Because the vast majority of the people I was working with came in with, um, I'm going to say, a a craftsperson's uh, desire to create a really beautiful product. And like, I'm thinking about you when you were working all those hours, you know, to get it just right. Mm -hmm. And that is where their motivation came from. Their intent was to make beautiful things. Their intent was to make useful things. Their intent was to make things together. And in the middle of it, this process of introducing something that that drew on kind of an external reward system, it it threw a spanner in the works. It took a while for that team to untangle enough and recover <laughs> from what was imagined to be this good thing. And that came about from the nominal leadership not actually understanding that the carrot can do a lot of harm just as much as a stick can. Why is this topic relevant? to the leadership practitioner. And and when you show up as a leadership practitioner, I think it's important to 
kind of realized that, first of all, until you make the time and space in order for that curious exploration, as you said, to really understand those who are involved in the context, to connect, to empathize, to understand where their intentions are. This notion of carrot and stick right then and there goes out the window because you don't actually know what is the carrot and what is the stick in their context. Right. So I'm not I'm not yet saying whether that's a good or bad thing. I'm just saying if we work our way backwards, if we're used to thinking about carrot and stick, well, let's first of all put it in the way we think about leadership practitionership. And we say, okay, well, in order to use a carrot or stick, we actually need to first get the data that would tell us what would be a carrot or stick. Well, and in your example and in my example, those were both examples of carrots turning into sticks. Exactly. And in one case, the group who were implementing carrots, thinking they were carrots, but actually they were sticks, they could have gotten that information in advance. But in the other example, they wouldn't have been able to get that information in advance because it was kind of a surprise to everybody that the carrots turned into sticks. Right. If we're already going through the process to determine what is the carrot and what is the stick, meaning that we have to figure out a way in order to connect, we have to figure out through that connection, again, if we really want that data because it's too risky to figure out the wrong carrot, figure out it's a stick, or thinking that it's a stick turns out to be a carrot, point is, it's too risky to get that wrong. The only way to know that is once you've sort of focused on that connection, you add in the empathy to really put yourself in the other person's context, get to know all these things. Then you explore curiously to get all that data. I claim the fact that you're even going to that level, likely your intention is probably not just figure out what the carrot and the stick is. Mm -hmm. It's almost like if you're going to that level of trying to figure out what the carrot or the stick is, I invite you to think about, is my intention really to figure out the carrot or the stick? Or perhaps it is that I'm trying to truly figure out what would create the conditions for people to be the best versions of themselves and do their best work. So let's now do a bit of a thought experiment. And I'm bringing this up now because we've had this question come from coaches. Like we often, I often hear this from managers who are used to that traditional style of managerial stance. And they say something along the lines of, okay, that's all well and fine, Marlene, when you're talking about highly intrinsically motivated people. But what about all those other people, right? They always make this hand gesture. All those other people who, for whatever reason, are not motivated the way I'm motivated, and therefore they require sticks. So let's, let's, let's loop that in because I know we've got listeners who are thinking that. If you truly want to figure out what those sticks are, you're going to go through the this, this same thinking process of going to get the data. How do you get the data? You have to connect to people, right? You have to figure out what is it that will actually have that kind of effect on them to be a stick. I mean, you could technically not go through it at all, just randomly guess and hope that it has a significant enough effect. Right. If you don't do this, you're fired. Right. Like, okay. <laughs> right. That's the biggest stick of all, or one of the biggest sticks. And the truth is, I mean, I've I've heard a, a couple of people use that recently, and then the response was like, "Okay, thanks. <laughs> like, I'm out of here." <laughs> but that, but that's the point. Even if you go down the path of needing a stick, right before you bring that stick out, if you truly wanted to have the same effect, or I should say, a effect, then you still need to figure out what that is. 
So if you're going to go and figure out what that is, why spend the time figuring out a stick when you can figure out what matters to the other person, right? What will bring, what conditions will bring out the best versions of themselves so that they can do their best work and then use that from a connection-based and motivation-based influence to get to whatever outcome you're looking for. It's the same amount of investment. It's just where you're looking at is rather than trying to t- take a look at this, this external operating system, carrot or stick, you already have to go in and find out the information. So use that same amount of effort to go one level deeper to find out their context, find out their intention, and then work with that intention to bring out the ver- their very best. So in that, I'm hearing a mindset shift. I'm hearing a shift from I need to figure out what the carrot is or I need to figure out what the stick is and I need to either use that to lure the person to the good behavior that I want with the carrot or I need to punish them with the stick so that they will do the thing I want them to do. And the mindset shift is that there's an approach that sets aside both carrot and stick and says instead how do we approach this outcome together? So in the case of stick-based thinking, where somebody is not behaving in the way that, you know, I want them to behave, or, or they're too fast, or they're too slow, or they're not precise enough. And if I go in there with a stick, in order to even use that stick, I'm probably going to have to effect to be effective stick wielder. I'm going to have to figure out which is the carrot and which is the stick to even get it sorted correctly. Like we're just, we're just being really practical here, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And in order to actually have that work, I'm already coming halfway or more than halfway into the zone of letting the carrot and stick idea go because I could take one step further and I could approach that other person coming from the mindset of, how can I help learning and improvement in this context? Or how how can this be done, right? Or what can I learn about where they're at? And now I'm in a great position because now I'm not being driven by my own reaction to their unwillingness to show up in the way that I think they need to show up. Now I'm able to respond. And in that space of response, where I started off getting curious about what they need in that situation to show up as the best versions of themselves, I can share the information of what we need to achieve together. I can share that as information. You know, we need to hit X dollars in our target or, you know, we're out of business or we need to solve this problem or X, Y, and Z consequences happen. I might have that information and they might not have it. And I can share that information. But when I come in with the mindset that my intent is to share information and not to wield a stick... I've actually created the conditions for something completely different to happen. The other mindset shift that works in conjunction with that is shifting the mindset or shifting the focus, I should say, from the person, the person being the problem, to what the actual problem is or what outcome you're trying to get to, and then looking at the conditions in which would make it possible for that to happen. So removing it away from the person Because carrots or sticks works on people. Well, in theory, works on people, right? But it's it's a function for people where if you shift the focus then to the problem at hand or the solution or the outcome you're trying to get to, then 
that operating system doesn't hold because that that place, the, the thing that you're focusing on, which now is a thing, doesn't have emotions. So it doesn't respond to carrots or sticks. Mm-hmm. And I also think just to, just to back up just a little, I think of so many coaches who say, well, I went into the situation and my intent was to you know, motivate this person or my intent was to support this person to do X, Y, and Z. But when we begin to unpack, was that really the intention? We often discover, no, <laughs> the intention was at the very least mixed and that there was a desire to let the other person know that they were doing something disappointing. Let the other person know that what they're doing is not okay. When that intention is not clear, the other person always knows. So like an example is, you know, uh, someone's manager shows up and says, okay, I want to give you a bit of feedback, but you know, it's not about you. It's just, it's just about, it's just about the situation or, or right. But it bloody well is about you and you know, it's about you, right? Like we, we know what people are saying between the lines. Likewise, around intent, carrots that are pretending to be sticks, sticks that are hidden, hidden sticks, like they're very, very visible to the person who is feeling, and this is how it connects back to what you're saying, and I want to now go deeper into it, that the person who, whether it's being said or not, is being put on the spot because the whole construction is constructing the person as the problem. What we're talking about is shifting that dynamic so that the person is not the problem. The problem is what you and the other person are trying to solve. And getting really clear on your intent around that is so important. To go in with the right mindset is something that if you're at all slippery about, it would be so easy to slip back into the person is the problem. Yet when you can get clear about it, it opens up the possibility that the problem is something or the challenge is something that you and that other person. Now, when you call a problem a challenge, they're going to believe you because you're not between the lines saying, <laughs> you know, you're the challenge, a.k.a. the problem. Right? <laughs> like there's no there's no hidden message there. You can be very overt in what the problem really is. Thank you for listening to the Leadership Practitioner Podcast. We invite you to share your thoughts on this episode and your thoughts on how you practice leadership. Join us in the Leadership Practitioner Connection, our community of like-minded practitioners who aspire to create a context for people to be the best versions of themselves and do their best work. You can find it at leadershippractitioner.org connection. This podcast is listener supported. If you find value in what you've just heard, please consider supporting us. Monthly subscriptions start at zero dollars.